You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. You're listening to Creative Quarantine. I'm your host, Angelique Roche, and I'm going to keep this short and sweet because today um, was just a good conversation with a multi-hyphenate, amazingly brilliant artist, professor, producer, PhD-having, game-loving, good wine-appreciating, just amazing human being, um, a.k.a. One of my favorite rappers, Samus. So, you know what? We'll get it quick, straight to the point. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Sorry, I'm a big, huge Animaniacs fan. Hi, everybody. Happy Friday. Uh, yo, this is episode, show, convo, however you want to call it. Uh, 25 of Creative Quarantine, and I'm here with the amazing, just beautifully talented soul, uh, Samus. What is up? How are you? Hi, I'm great. I'm great in part because seeing your wonderful face, I mean, you're like slaying in quarantine, I have to say. Like, it's not always, I'm on a lot of Zoom calls. You know, I've seen, we, we all have run the gamut. I think at the beginning of quarantine, there was still kind of, you know, folks were trying to fresh. <laughs> yeah. Now that we've hit days like 41, 42, things have started to shift. But I feel like you're, you really got it together. I'm inspired. I'm inspired to do better for, I teach on Mondays and this Monday, I'm really going to like dress it up, do my winged liner, like get my lip together, like just, you know, spice it up a little bit. So thank you for that. <laughs> you know what? If the secret is one, no one gets has to see under here. True story. <laughs> there are no shoes. Let's be real. No uh, so that's my sacrifice. And two, um, actually seltzer water in my hair. That's what keeps it. Yeah. Really? Someone has asked me that. So my sister, brilliant woman that she is, wow. science, scientist. Y'all know how y'all roll. Mm. My sister was like, pH balance of hair. And she's like, use seltzer water. These are the keys. Like these are major keys. I will be tweeting that out after this conversation because it changed my life. This is yeah, games. Your hair looks fabulous. It looks so lustrous it and defined. So also wow. water main choice. Wow. <laughs> I've learned so much in like three minutes. This is incredible. <laughs> oh man. See, this is why I'm happy we did we did a Friday conversation. Um so for those, before I forget, for those at home who are watching in, you have a you have a lot of fans that I'm sure are watching, so they know who you are. But for <laughs> those who uh, may not be as familiar uh, with your work, yo, um, can you lay out the hyphens? Can you can you lay out the words that that reside between the hyphens? I think yeah, that's that's that's. <laughs> a- I can try to. Okay, so let's see. I'm a, a producer. I'm a rapper. I'm a recent doctor, a PhD doctor, 
and I uh, do some game sound design very recently. And um, anything else? Let's see. I, I'm a terrible chef. <laughs> I'm trying to think of anything else that I can throw in there. That's a well, major attribute. Of hilarious because we have our first chef that's going to be on the show next Friday. <laughs> I'm here. I'm already it's penciled in because I need help. I need a girl needs help. I need resources. I need tools, tips, action items. Yes. Yeah. So those are those are my hyphens and and my my worries and woes that I need to work out. <laughs> but I love that though, right? Because I think when we think about creatives, uh, a lot of people try to put creatives in like this weird box where creatives only can do one thing. They're only an actor, they're only a producer, they're only a rapper mm-hmm. or you know, they're only a chef. And I think that's such, it's so limiting to the fact that creativity comes out in so many different ways, right? Like one of my clients right now is an amazing person. She's also a tax attorney and she's also a painter. And it's just like, yeah, we're complex. We're complex people. And I think a lot of it has to do with how we're socialized often as kids, like the, the educational system. So I used to be a, a third and fourth grade math and science teacher before I, I went to grad school. And I even think about my own childhood that you're really you're brought you're 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 sort of trained to go down particular tracks very early. You know, very early they tell you this is what you're good at, this is what you're bad at, these are your options, this is how you can be successful, this is how you're gonna find yourself, you know, destitute and unsuccessful. And so you don't, I think increasingly young people are starting to see folks, examples of folks who are doing multiple things. I think of like Issa Rae or Donald Glover. You know, it's like I don't care. I'm going to do the thing that I want to do. Now I want to drop an album. Now I want to be in a movie. Now I, you know, Rihanna. She's got Fenty. Like all of these people who are comfortable doing that. But I feel like when I was younger, it was like you you pick the thing and you do it, and that's kind of what your life has to be about. So it's difficult when you get older, when you're someone who has multiple interests, recognizing like, oh, I get to, I get to continue doing all of these things like fully. I don't have to put one away so that the other one can thrive, you know, which it's, it's difficult coming to that realization without, without kind of guides people to, to help you through that. Well, and I also think that there, you know, there's this thing, cause I remember because back in the day, when I went to school, we used to have to take these aptitude tests every year, right? Yeah. And, I, yeah. and it used to be like, these are the things that you were interested in. And here are right. things. Right. Oh, my God. I forgot about that. Yeah. And mine used to be all <laughs> over the place. I'd be like, so this says I could be an actor and this right. says that I could be a lawyer. I don't know what to do. Right. Um, what is the intersection of these, you know? Is there one? <laughs> is there um, one? Yeah. And no one tells you it's a skill set, right? Like it's a skill set mm. that can be reapplied in so many different places. Yeah. If you just learn what the nuances are of the technical part, right? Yes. Yes. And it's so interesting because we've had this conversation about you. I love the way that you look at the science of music. Like mm-hmm. it's, it is, and I have a, I have a really good friend, Carolyn Malachi, who I'm mm-hmm. sure you know each other or yeah, yeah. Um, and Carolyn is the same way. Like I've known Carolyn for years, went, went on tour with her, Mill East came over. But when you really talk to mm-hmm. her about the science of what she does and yeah. the study of what she does and the business of what she does, like yeah. it is more than just trying to get on a chart. 
it is yes. truly, truly enjoying and knowing what music is. Mm-hmm. So like for you, like do you just see like math and and, and like <laughs> notes like in the air while you're working? Is that is that what happens? I wish kind of like the a beautiful mind scenario where you got all everything swirling around. <laughs> Unfortunately not. I I um I I de- definitely come into it, I think in the same way that like a kid goes to, to like in, in a camp blank canvas, you know, you sit down and it's like, okay, time to relearn everything <laughs> time to go through this process again. And I feel like I'm now that I'm older, I'm more comfortable with the idea that every time you go to create something, it's, it presents new challenges that yeah. even if you're, even as you develop and refine your skill set, it's still, it's still a challenge to make something come into being. Um, And so I think you're right in the sense that I have, there are certain like tried and true techniques or things that I can use to kind of shortcut the process or shortcut my like entry into the process. Like, okay, I know how I want my vocals to sound. I know how I want, you know, I know, I know my favorite drum kits, et cetera, et cetera. But when it comes down to the creation, it's still like, okay, you got to sit down and make something. What's it going to be? It's still like struggling over the bits and pieces of it, which I know that you can, can kind of attest to in your own you know, production, vast <laughs> production <laughs> knowledge of, of put, like putting a thing together. It's, it's always, it always requires you to be like on your toes, you know? So, and I think that's a good thing. I used to feel like, oh, you know, when am I going to feel like comfortable? Like I know exactly what I'm doing. And I think the more folks you talk to at the, at, who are doing things at a high level, the more you realize, oh, they don't know what they're doing either, but they're just comfortable with not knowing what the hell they're doing. <laughs> I hear that comes with age. Yeah, um, I think so. <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, but I think that's really interesting, too. And I think it's there's this other interesting conundrum that I, I, I and I, I love that we get to highlight that you are a producer and that you do work on your own beats and you do put together mm-hmm. um, a lot of your own, well, all of your own arrangements. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it was funny because last time we chatted, we chatted about, you know, folks asking like, so, uh, so, so who did the track for you? Yep. And I remember having that same exact conversation with Jean Grey. And, yes. I remember, yes. <laughs> and I remember going. That's the thing. He was just on it. <sighs> uh, and you, and you have these like weird situations where. Um, in this space that women are occupying more and more and more, I think because the accessibility, honestly, of being able to do it on your own or, you know, the connectivity of the internet or God bless it, MySpace, let's be real. MySpace was the first thing that brought a lot of us together. Um, right. That's what yeah, my absolutely. art was at college. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. kind of what has been your evolution into this space and how do you feel like... Mm-hmm particularly as a woman, particularly as a black woman, particularly as a black woman who is multi-hyphenated, multi-hyphened with this vast background in literature, what do you Mm -hmm. feel like you love to bring to your music? Now, I hate when people are like, what do you feel like you bring to your music? Uh, Like, what do you feel like you want to, like what you love to bring to your music? So I I really liked what you were saying earlier about skill sets that like, you know, when you're younger, those aptitude tests are like, these are the jobs for you. And they're not 
framing it in terms of like, these are the tools that you're, you want to develop, or these are the things that the interests that make these seemingly disparate careers make sense in like one person. And so I think for me, what I've realized is that it's, it's about trying to communicate effectively, like my, my lens, my experience of the world. And so that, you know, in working through a dissertation, that's what you're doing. Like you're, you're, you're doing it, you know, painstakingly okay. over years and years and years. You don't, you don't say a PhD takes a lot of work. <laughs> I, I learned that. Yeah. The hard way, unfortunately. <laughs> Takes it takes a wee bit of time. Um, but I also was definitely chilling when I was working on my PhD. <laughs> I think it could I, I could have shaved off a year or two, but I was like, you know what? Here, let me write. At your own time. Exactly. On my own, my own time, my own pace. Um, but I think in the process of working on the dissertation, I realized like, okay, this is this process of of trying to like really refine a point to the to its most um, essential component. That's what I'm trying to do with a song. Like I'm in, in trying to like break this big idea down into something manageable. That's what I'm trying to do with each song, with each, with each bar essentially. And, and I think another, I really like kind of playing with different styles of communication. And that's something that I, I hope to kind of bring to my music and bring to my, my academic writing in the sense that, I really don't like most academic writing. I think it is um, intentionally obscuring and inaccessible often for the sake of being inaccessible and is, yeah, it's just very, can be very navel gazy. Well, it's smart for the sake of being smart so that you sound smart saying things that you consider to be a smart thing with the right. theory that you're presenting. Yeah, it's all about the presentation, right? And it's not about the audience, which is like, you know, not at all what education is supposed to be about. <laughs> like it's supposed to be 100% about kind of the conversation with other folks and bringing them in to that conversation you're trying to have. And so I think for my music writing, the way that that's influenced it is try to have this balance between being like clever and fun, you know, really trying to have something where it's like, oh yeah, you, you got to think to unpack this, but also having entry points or ways that people can access the music who who might not, for example, get all of the references or, um, you know, might might feel like they they don't sort of have have access to to some of the really like dense uh, bits and pieces that can be thrown into a song. So recognizing that balance and structuring a verse around trying to create spaces for people to come in and spaces where people have to sit and like really ponder over a thing has been something that I've learned in working on my dissertation that now I try to incorporate more into my music. Word. So for me, I, I think it's, I think it's interesting um, because a lot of your work not your teaching, but a lot of your work kind of happens in the lab and you haven't been able to go to the lab. Like, uh, and for the, for, for those who don't understand what I mean by lab, because you are a scientist, I mean the studio, not <laughs> the lab lab. Um, how has the last couple weeks like shifted on your creativity side? Because I know you're now doing online classes, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I've switched to remote teaching. This is actually my second to last week of classes. <laughs> I'm so Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Congratulations to me. Congratulations to my students. Like, I know that this has been 
a, a just an absolute trip for them trying to to readjust and i i can't imagine what that would feel like um so yeah it's been i mean in general the way that i kind of produce and work is pretty like in home I, my laptop is working. I work on my laptop uh, and have like a little MIDI keyboard that I work with. And so it's a pretty, you know, it's a pretty DIY operation that I can move most places. Um, and then I have a, a little mic in in my closet that I use to kind of record scratch vocals. And then in general, I'll go to a studio. I have a friend of mine, Sosa, who has a studio in Queens and I record with him and we kind of have a, a nice collaborative relationship there. But in, in terms of just creative output, I have I have not created anything <laughs> over the past few weeks. I have not written any new bars. I haven't written any new beats. I have just been in, in like processing mode. Um, and, you know, it's interesting. I'm thinking about uh, the conversation we were having earlier about all of the different, like uh, the kind of the ways that other people are behaving in this moment. Yeah. And I'm definitely on the more like, let me fall back and like, conserve the energy, think about what's happening. And maybe in two or three months, maybe over the summer, it will like result in, in I'll have something to say about it. But for now, I feel like I can't even, just because things get more and more bizarre every day, I don't even feel like no. I have, you know? <laughs> like, no, you, you don't, you don't say. Like, it's true, it's true. It gets I Wilder and wilder, yeah. Oh, and I think it also is one of those things where I was thinking about today because I saw this article that was saying drive-in movie theaters are thriving uh, overseas. And I was like, I think people forget the historical context of why some things existed mm -hmm. and why some things weren't seen as good investments. Yeah. Like if you were to say we were gonna have theaters yeah. where people sat together and relaxed and ate food and leaned back during the Spanish flu. Yeah. I don't know if people would be like, yeah, that's a sound. Right. <laughs> that's investment. a sound investment, Mr. Johnson. <laughs> um, right. And or why certain things existed in a way, like the whole theory of a handshake, right? Or mm -hmm. the theory of, of, of a greeting um, mm -hmm. or, you know, I hope your family as well, being a greeting that people actually say to each other because yeah. it was a very intentional greeting. Yeah. Um, and I think it's I think it's really interesting in this whole concept of processing and how are we looking at everything and how folks are there because you know I've had, you know, I've mentioned this a couple of times in the shows. The shows from week one versus the shows now from week five. Oh gosh, I'm sure it's just like <laughs> so different, right? Because yeah. There was a sharp learning curve on even those people who wanted to be out there and producing mm -hmm. um, a, a big, huge uh, disparity gap, right? In yeah. in technology knowledge, not yeah. because somebody wasn't like hip or somebody wasn't cool, they couldn't use their cell phone, but because that just wasn't their daily week wick at the time. Right, right, yeah. There's been a huge. I, I think even for me, just figuring out how to like what a day is like what is supposed to happen in a day what do i want to have happen in a day and structuring it in a way that feels sustainable because i think it's like you said week one sustainability wasn't necessarily a part of the conversation no one was i i, I wasn't 
projecting, you know, three or four weeks out, let alone three or four months. <laughs> you know, I was just like, okay, this is new. This is different. This is weird. This is a developing story. Um, and by week two, it was like, okay, the way that I've been approaching this, which is the way that I had been approaching it at the beginning was to just like kiki it up with everybody all the time, just be kind of available, do, you know, do my work and, and uh, just never really take time to shut down and like read something or be, or be off Twitter or whatever the thing was. Um, but now it's like, okay, these, I have to put like the check marks, like I have to put the stuff in place that I can actually like all the boxes to make sure that I'm, I'm really staying sane. Cause it, it's, it's easy to kind of get derailed or, you know, go down a dark space. I feel like a lot of friends of mine, especially this week, it's felt like have yeah. kind of entered into a, a, a really, really challenging, like existential kind of crisis mode. So, so yeah, I mean, how are you feeling? Uh, you know, today, uh, for true, for true. And this is kind of a preview. So everybody knows today is my first mental health day. Uh, this is the only thing Yay. I'm doing today. Great. Um, <laughs> we would not want to talk to you. Um, and then, you know, we've, we've actually started to be reassessing. So we're going to hit episode 30 next week, and then we're going to start reassessing if we're doing this every single day. But guess what? Everyone will have 30 episodes. Yeah. 30 podcasts, 30 live shows to look at, which, you know, is fantastic. Shout out to the production team. And I think I am, I am definitely thinking about the idea of sustainability, right? Because I am one of those people that even before this go, 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 close her out the night before, how do we most efficiently plan for the entire week when are groceries ordered? Like that was just the mentality because when you got four different clients that you're working for and you're making everything work and figuring out how that is. But I think it's, you know, look, taking that step back and going, okay, yo, I got a book that I really wanted to work on mm-hmm. and I still got to finish the last of us, by the way, where are you on the game? Oh, I'm, <laughs> I haven't done anything. <laughs> you judge me. You will judge me. I'm like, Right at the beginning, we just um, what's her name? She's like the, the test still there. Is test still? Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. So no spoilers. No spoilers. Okay. You are very much at the beginning of the game. You were still trying to get out of the city. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Still, cool, cool. still trying to get out the city. Like I haven't right. done nothing, but I it's have fine. big plans this weekend. No, <laughs> it's fine. You yeah. give me a call. You yeah. let me know. I, I am. Will. I am not. I mean, I'm past that. But if you were to ask someone who's played the game more than once, he'd be like, "You still have to turn it off." Right? Like, you wait, where are you? Off. Why? Why are you still playing? Last <laughs> night it was probably like 1 a.m. Yeah. And I had fallen into like a bunch of clickers, and yeah. I was like, "Nah." Right. <laughs> like, no. I, just, I just can't right now. Yeah, your brain oh. will let you know when it's time. <laughs> Everybody was like, no murdering zombies. You're done. <laughs> uh, so that's where I'm at. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm glad you're in a reassessment space. I'm glad you're taking a mental health day. That is so, so, so wonderful. I mean, like okay. just hearing and, and hearing about all of the hats that you, you're, you're wearing and were wearing before this, it can be so difficult to really plan that time in. Like you, you intellectually, you know, like, oh yeah, I need to rest. I need to do these things. But 
It just Things go by so fast. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I don't even know how right now it's, it's, it's three. What is it? 322. When did that happen? I don't, I'm so confused. Woke up yeah. and now it's like, oh, the sun is setting. Okay. <laughs> so I actually got to take a, this is what I'm doing today. I'm taking my, ah. new, taking my new lens out for a stroll. Um, yes. in the suburbs. Uh, taking Very my cool. So yeah. No, but I mean, I think I think you make a really valid point of allowing ourselves to reassess so that we mm-hmm. can have that space. And I don't I don't think a lot of us, particularly of this generation, were programmed no. that way. No, we were not. Burnout is a real, real, real thing. Um, and I, I think the assessment, what I'm realizing is that the assessment can happen on a daily basis. Like I, mm-hmm. I used to think about it in, in terms of these kind of like, okay, at the end of the semester, I'm going to sit down and figure out like, what do I want to do for the summer? Or like, what did I, you know, like the big projects, but mm-hmm. it actually in a, in a kind of crisis moment like this, it has to be on a day-to-day basis and sometimes on an hourly basis, just like, okay, how do I, how do I want to get through this next hour and be okay? You know? And I think that for me has been the the revelation. I, um, I saw this quote, there's a, a really wonderful website called the creative independent and they publish all kinds of interviews with, mm-hmm. with like artists and thinkers and like fashion folks, just any kind of creative person under the sun. Um, and I get, their little daily, they send like a daily interview basically. And one of the interviews was, uh, I'm forgetting what her profession was, but she said that one of the tenets of, of folks who are entering into sobriety is this idea that you can resume prayer. And the idea there is that if you fall, if you fall off or you're, you're not able to, that, that uh, kind of religious folks who use this ideology is that you know, if you mess up, you just start your prayer again. Like it's okay. Like you don't have to have, it doesn't, things don't have to be perfect for you to kind of pick up where you left off. And I think I, as a product, I think part of this generation, there, there are lots, there are myriad issues that go into us having this sense of like, I always have to be on. I always have to be working. I have to be perfect. I can't mess up. Like <laughs> the layers yeah. are and being black women doing this, I think there's an added layer of like, there's no room for failure. You got to be, you know, tip top, perfect, all your I's dotted, all your T's crossed all the freaking time. And so that translates into, to our, you know, personal lives and in other spaces where we're we're not giving ourselves the freedom to like, oh, I said I was going to work out today and I didn't work out. That doesn't make me a bad person. It means I messed up today, maybe. And then tomorrow I'll try again. Like I'll resume was like sit down and may, right exactly maybe your body was like this is not the time you don't need that right now what you need to do is take your behind to sleep <laughs> exactly you would say literally and and, it, and actually a great example of that i was clocking 10 miles a week guys i yeah. I, I, wow. I have to work so i was clocking 10 miles a week you know i've yeah. got an amazing nerdy trainer Shout out to Keep Girl Strong, who's been doing Skype uh, calls. I love Keep Girl Strong. Yes. (laughs) Robin is amazing. So Robin's Robin's my personal trainer. She's been keeping me together because I I have back issues from running too many half marathons and too many races. So I 
did something. I went, I went too fast, did a mile too quick, trying to fit something in, jacked up my back. And this week I assessed myself, so you know what? You have to move around so you get to power walk. You get to power walk for an entire week. And guess mm-hmm. what? You're still going to get six miles in. It's yeah. not 10, but guess yeah. what? You're going to power walk. This is yeah. what we're going to do. And when exactly. your back is hurting, you're going to sit down, sit down. right? Right. Just, as, just as my sis who just said, shout out to my bar partner, a shout out to my study partner from law school, Monique Ray, burnout is real. And she, so got, real. she got three kids. Whew, the bur- I, I like felt the secondhand burnout. <laughs> I received it. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yes. Oh, but it's a I real mean, phenomenon. Oh, so we have a question. Um, hey, Matt, uh, I adore your work. Thank you for everything you do. My question is about songwriting. Do you find it harder to create nerdy tracks based on existing properties or extremely vulnerable personal songs? Ooh, that's a very good question. They're like, you're like saying America versus Mario Kart. Is that what you're? I think so. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think um, it can be there. They can both be equally challenging in the sense that I think when you're creating a song based on an existing property, you're in some ways beholden to an audience that already exists around that. And so it's like this dance of trying to honor, you know, the folks who love this game or love this, this like character or whatever the thing is, and also trying to put your unique spin on it. So I've, I've, I feel like I've been able to, to, um, like not be as worried about that now. I used to be really, really stressed out about that. And and that is tied not only to just like kind of creative anxieties, but also, you know, being a black woman in geek space, I think there is, uh, you know, understandable fears about how people will react to like, for example, me taking on the, the space of Samus, you know, like that there would be, could be very real retaliation in a lot of different ways for that. Um, so I think that there's, that's one set of, of anxieties, but with the extremely vulnerable personal songs in, in general, I'm a, I think I said this in, in my last conversation with Angelique that I'm, um, I cry a lot. (laughs) So it's, it's kind of easy for me to just be in that space. Like I'm, I'm in my feelings all the time to, you know, Pisces gang, like waterworks all day, every day. Um, but as far as, so like the writing of it is easy. I think the presenting of it can be difficult Mm. because I know that after the fact, it's going to mean that part of me is exposed or that those conversations are conversations I'm going to end up having for a long time. So like the, the song that I think many folks know me for is a song called 1080p about kind of working through, um, my depression while in grad school. And, it's been a really powerful song to have out there, but it's also meant having kind of really difficult conversations often with folks. Um, so I've recognized that when I put myself out there, that a necessary or a responsibility that I then take on as an artist is like following up with people or, or continuing to have those conversations. So that was very unsatisfactory answer, but <laughs> both are difficult. Um but in general, I'm uh, since I'm already in my feelings, I think it's easier to write the kind of like very, very personal, vulnerable songs. Well, I think that's a really interesting because I, I think folks, it's it's such a different situation when you are writing from that space. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think the writing process, it was, I've always joked and, and brother-in-law is, is very he's huge music head. And mm-hmm. 
you know, we've we've had these conversations about why someone's sophomore album sometimes is either the best thing they've ever done or the worst <laughs> thing they've ever done. It's yeah. never really in the middle, right? It's yeah. either they've gotten the formula down, they've they, they saved these 12 tracks from the freshman album because they wanted to get it right, or they had more time and left, whatever it was, or it was just bad because they used everything they had on the first album. Yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, and that's because there's this space of coming from vulnerable. Like, God bless Lauren Hill, but y'all, she has one album. Lauren, Lauren, Lauren. <laughs> she put Lauren. it all, all into this, this like one space. <laughs> and then she did an acoustic version of that. Yeah. One album. <laughs> I'm not mad. Look, yeah. it is one of the most culturally significant albums yeah. period not of a generation just period all time um, all time look i this is why lauren still gets invited to perform places even though it's she's pretty incredible her. yeah no it really is incredible to think of of putting out an album and then having a, a sort of 20 you know 25 year life lifespan for that but it 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 speaks to exactly what you're saying that you can pour everything into that and simply not have any more to give after that so it's it's definitely it's it's a balance I think with trying to figure that out and the other part of it is the other part of balancing that out is that it can be dangerous to write only from a place of pain um in the sense that a people begin to feel like that's what you do and they have a preference for that so i think of of folks like mary j blige who people have been like oh i only like her music when she was like really messed up you know or when she was really going through it but once she got happy right every breakup song ever right. of my college career <laughs> came from mary j blige that was it like exactly they know how to speak Mary J was when you were really sad and it just happened. And Erica was when you were like, no, I'm not going to, no. I'm ascending, right. <laughs> exactly. They become these like patron saints for, for these particular moments. And I think as an artist, that can be really hard. That can be a lot of pressure, but also just a really hard space to be in. Like if it's right. the thing that I'm trying to figure out right now, or I think, you know, once I get back into being able to, to, write and think creatively is how to write. And it seems crazy to say, say this now, but how to write from a place of joy, like what it means to try to write about the things that I love in as rich a way that I feel like I can talk about the things that piss me off or the things that make me sad, the things that hurt me. I feel like I, I and a lot of other artists have a really well-developed language for talking about pain, but talking about joy can, can, it it risks being corny or like overly sentimental. And so I think people are scared to go into that space and, you know, it's a challenge, but I think it can be healthy to be able to develop that, that part of ourselves too, especially when all we hear is like gloom and doom right now. Well, I think that's, so it's funny. So I have like a track of my favorite songs, which is like sunny. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, Polka dots, checks, and stripes. If you've ever heard that song, it's by the same people who did the elephant song, Skimmer Rinky Dinky Ding. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> I ever saw a black girl in a video and she wanted to wear polka dots, checks, and stripes. And so she did. Oh, and then Starfish yeah. and Coffee, right? Like all these like really corny, but very 
joyful songs. Um, and, and it's just that you, you need that. Right. Yeah. Or like a song, like last night, a DJ saved my life. Yo, I needed that song. This, there's not that many lyrics in that song. It yeah. wasn't that complicated of a song, yeah. but it was one of those songs that you knew you could listen to. Yeah. Really needed it. And I yeah. think people underestimate the joy in the corniness. Like, yeah. you know, that's why Drake does so well. Look, I love Drake. Drake has convinced himself that he is a hard rapper, and I am very excited because in that convincing, he has embraced his corny, and he gives us that. Yeah, it's 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 all there. It's all there. All the cornball teas that we could possibly need is 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 right there. And I'm glad that he's I'm glad that he's embracing that because yeah, the corniness is is part. I think. It's it's fun to see an artist corny. It's 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 a part of vulnerability. I think being able to be corny or express your corniness like is a, it's an acknowledgement of your humanity. Like sweet like it. Sweet right. like it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. You get it. You know. You already know. <laughs> uh so I mean, do you feel like from from your perspective um right now in kind of the place we are in that um and I know how I feel, but that creativity and art um, has its role in what mm-hmm. is happening at this moment. Yes, absolutely. I think in particular, I'm really, we talked a little bit about this last time, but I think um, kind of folks who are doing Afrofuturist work really have something to say in this space because I think a lot about um, this this amazing artist, Kame um, Ayewa, who um, also goes by the name More Mother, M-O-O-R Mother. You know, she draws on sunrise in saying, you know, the end of the world has already happened. We're already on the other side of the apocalypse. And I think that the way that her framing of that is that that means that now we get to create something different. And so in thinking about what's happening in this moment, it's it's terrifying and it's it's revealing all of these structural injustices that many of us already knew existed, but you know a lot of people it's it's their first time really confronting the like precarity of how most of us are living. Um and it it's it's this space where now you see collective action, like really, really forcing big companies to, to kind of bend to the will of, of working folks because they have to, because that is the, like the constraint of the moment. So in, in thinking about that, that like Afrofuturist idea that we get to shape this new reality, it's, I see spaces where people are, we're recognizing again, how much power we have, how, how important our voices are that we get to create the future that's in front of us. And it's going to be really effing hard because there are a lot of very evil people with a lot of money and a lot of power, but there's so much more of us, so many more of us to be able to do that. And we already have seen us bring things to our knees when we needed to. So yeah, I I think that's been inspiring me as far as when I go back to the creative space in thinking about joy and thinking about what our work can do, it can, it can present or project like a, a possibility for a future in a moment where it feels like it's all 
dissolving. It's all going away. Like even this, this conversation that we're having, the fact that, that you've been able to mobilize these conversations is it speaks to like a future space existing that like these are resources or tools and part of a, a longer and ongoing conversation. It's like, that's what we need in the moment is, is, folks who are reminding us that there's like tomorrow and there's going to be another day and another day after that, you know, cause it feels in the day to day, like that's how can, how can tomorrow exist? You know, like today was hard enough. So yeah, I think that's the space that art has filled for me, just ho like creating hope for me. I love it. Okay. So we have a question, which I think kind of goes into this, but do you have strategies for convincing, allowing uh, for lack of a better term, yourself to be vulnerable and imperfect in the face of the demanding public eye Ooh. and hyper visibility. Ooh, talk about a question. <laughs> I feel like you just I feel like you just asked, um, do you walk around with a hype man? Uh <laughs> <laughs> do you have strategies for convincing slash allowing yourself to be Ooh. vulnerable and imperfect in the face of the demanding public eye and hyper visibility? That's so, so fabulous. I think I do that at home. <laughs> I think one, one space that I've started to, to work that out is I've been writing little poems that aren't really for anybody. And they're, you know, they're very, they're pretty silly and short, but like creating a separate creative space has been nice because it's one that's outside of anyone's judgment. Like no one knows that these things exist. And, and like, I, you know, I haven't studied poetry or I hadn't, hadn't really, I'd written rap songs, but, but not sort of focused on specific kind of forms in, in the way that I'm writing right now. And I think the judgment free, like the, the fact of it being judgment free allows me to feel like I can use the wrong word and no one's going to say anything and no one's, cause no one's going to know, you know, like I get to mess up here. Um, so it's like, you got, you have to create those spaces through like hobbies or things that don't, things that your income is not like reliant on. I think that that's the challenge is that when, when you're like the thing that you love is also attached to how you support yourself, it can be really hard to allow space for imperfection or space for like messing up or not doing the right thing. So creating spaces that are completely removed from like financial well-being or like public approval, that's the way that I've been able to try to to keep, you know, keep myself sane because it, yeah, for the most part, it's been really tough. I think, yeah. Thank you for the question. That was a dope question. Um, so as we kind of wind down, mm -hmm. I, I, I love asking like two real questions. I haven't had a chance to ask them this week because uh, I feel like this week has been a blur. Yeah. Um, question number one, like right now for you, what's keeping you grounded? Mm. What's keeping me grounded? Um, so my my husband's really great. He's really chill. <laughs> He's a really chill person. Like I, like I said, I'm always in my feelings. Like I will, I'll see a, a cute, you know, kitten in a commercial and it's like tears or I'll see, you know, see a heartbreaking story and just, so I'm really, really expressive and emotive. And I feel like, you know, he has very like calm level energy, which is nice and matches my sort of like uh, 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 <laughs> uh, kind of emotional space that I'm in. Um, so that's been good. And I think snacks, 
Work. Snacks have been keeping me very grounded. I are important. Just crunching on something. It's like, oh, I'm stressing. Okay, let me just have, you know, grab some almonds or some some popcorn or whatever. That has really done a lot to just chill me out when I'm feeling yeah. like I can't manage. I can't manage. So snacks yeah. and and husband and taking naps. <laughs> I feel like these are all solid strategies. Also, yes, snacks, food and chocolate. And red wine are my two favorite things. Ooh, just had red wine to this afternoon. It was so wonderful. <laughs> Every single look, oh, and I have to shout this out, Hannibal. We see you. Hat tip to the chill, calm husband, and snacks. <laughs> um, yes, I love it. Um, so, and I think the other question that I, I just I love asking because I want people to remember that it is possible. How are you finding joy right now? Mm. Besides snacks. Yeah. Because snacks are joy. <laughs> and so is that. wine. I think, yes, those are all, those are definitely all spaces yes. of joy. I feel like I have been finding joy. Um, that's a really, really good question. On a day-to-day basis, one of the ways I've been finding joy is going on Spotify and listening to an album that I, I have been wanting to listen to um, or wanting to kind of like just sit back and engage with, but felt like, you know, I hadn't had time or, you know, it was just on, my, on a list, long list of to-do items that I was never going to get to, but like really taking the time and just saying, okay, for this hour, I'm going to sit and listen to like today I was listening to Nirvana's first album bleach. And I, I was like, I'm just going to do that today. I'm just, that's like, that's what's going to happen. Um, and doing that felt really good. It was like, okay, that was, I, I did it. I wanted to do this and I did it. And that's been really special to me. Um, and the other thing that's been giving me um, a lot of joy is there's so many things. So I want to, I, I want to like pick the the best thing is probably just having um, conversations with, with friends that I haven't connected with in a long time. Like, you know, we don't have to talk all the time. I think everybody's pretty burned out on zoom. <laughs> so like the, like the weekly happy hour situation, that's probably, that's not really doing it right now with me. But when I'm able, like this past week, I had a, a FaceTime chat with with like four four friends from undergrad and we just like laughed and laughed and laughed and laughed and laughed about the most foolish talking about who we were in college and why we made the choices we made um and that was so special and I was able to like zone out for that moment so yeah I think reconnecting with with old friends um has been big and then visiting albums that I never thought that I had time to listen to before that now I have have more time for. That's real. That was me and garbage yesterday. So a lot of people don't realize that oh, I yeah? was very much into everything. Yes. Uh and oh. Garbage Man, that album, the first yeah. one. I now I need to put that on my to-do list actually. I loved garbage. Let me I'm throwing that on. So much emotion. Uh so I wanted to I wanted to shout this out before we go. Not a question, but I saw your performance at MAGFest this year and it was life-changing. Wow. I can tell you put your heart into the performance and it made me feel so many wonderful emotions. I just want to share that with you because it was a joyful moment. Oh my God. Thank you so, so much for sharing that. That performance was such a joyful thing. That's one of my favorite 
audiences because everyone, people aren't afraid to be corny and aren't afraid to give love and just be present. So it allows me to do that as an artist. Oh man. So I want to thank you so much thank for spending you. this amazing 45 minutes with us. Uh, this is a perfect mellow way. I think everybody should now go get chocolate. Wine, <laughs> take a nap. Take a nap, please. For me. Your album from like the 90s, if you were alive, um, that you want to listen to again, or just pick an album from the 90s, Tragic Kingdom, all, also yes, great. Yes, 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 yes. I just shouted that out in my class like two weeks ago. So yes. Yes. Uh, but you also, there's. The, I remember I was listening to song, I was listening to a song the other day, and I got, I can't remember the track of it. But there, you use, <laughs> you you you, yes. you 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 you. I, I did spider webs. The spider webs is the the chorus of spider webs is like my favorite thing ever, and so I I put that on a track. Comments disabled. Yeah. Best choruses ever. It's so good. <laughs> Um, but thank you so much. Happy Friday, everybody. Uh, we'll be back on Monday uh, with Angel Parker. Uh, so if you're a fan of The Runaways, if you're a fan, I mean, she also has like a, a huge long list of uh, IMDb amazingness. Uh, she'll be coming, uh, hitting us up on Monday with some more Black Girl Magic. Uh, but I want to say thank you again to thank Sam. You. And treat yourself well, everyone. Treat yourself well. Creative Quarantine is hosted by Angelique Rocher. It's produced by Angelique Rocher, Sarah Storm, and Matt Storm. Our logo is designed by Aaron Leffler. New streaming episodes are available Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern and Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern on AngeliqueRocher.com forward slash creative quarantine. Podcasts are made available the morning after each live streamed episode wherever you get your podcasts. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and visit us on Instagram at creative.quarantine and Twitter at creativequeteen. Please send this to a friend who needs a little artistic company and stay at home if you possibly can. We'll see you soon. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.